You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Third thing is to go. The Vader. 17 of 14. Cowboys out in front. Star begins to count. Takes the snap. He's got the quarterback. Take it easy. He's going to the What's up, gang? Welcome to the Packers Total Access post-game show. My name is Clayton. I'm joined alongside my good friend here, Mr. Jacob. And, uh, yeah, so we wrap up here in Kansas City with the final preseason game. And the uh, the final was 17-10. to 10. Uh, The Chiefs come away with the victory here over the Green Bay Packers. And, first of all, Jacob, man, uh, what would you think uh, of the night, man? I know we did us a little live stream, right, and we kind of uh, got to hang out a bit talk to some folks while we watch the game, but how did you think everything went tonight? Yeah, man, it was a, it was a decent game. The score, the final score, 17, 10 doesn't necessarily, uh, I guess, explain how the game went. It was a little more frustrating to watch the beginning of the game started off. Okay. Things were rolling. Um, saw some good, you know, progressions from certain players. Love looked okay. Goodson looked all right. Started seeing some stuff from Amari Rogers. Then as the game progressed and dragged on, it just kind of, dragged on and it just felt like a third preseason game it felt like that everybody was just kind of all right let's get this going let's move on let's hit the showers and let's go home so it was all right it was it left some things to be wanting that's for sure special teams lack of pass rush lack of run blocking um, certain things that I definitely wish we could have looked better doing but all in all it's okay I'm, I'm not too upset yeah I agree man it's you know that that last preseason game gets a little wonky sometimes. You know you're you've got a few guys fighting for some final roster spots, and and us as Packer fans, you want to you want to come out with that dub, and that really I mean to be honest, that's not the top priority of the coaching staff. But again, guys, you could check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore Access. I know we got several people watching live on Twitter. Thank you guys for tuning into that, and you're probably listening to uh, the next day podcast here as we cut this into a podcast, but. Moving forward with the post-game show this year, we got a little segment. <clears throat> well, not really a segment, but when we get a dub this year, we're going to celebrate by rolling out the barrel, all right? Now, I know we came away with a loss tonight, right? But we are going to celebrate the fact that, Jacob, this is the final preseason game of the year, dude. And, uh, yeah, you know, we, we we don't have to do this anymore. The next game we cover is going to be week one. So I say let's celebrate that, man. Let's uh, Let's roll out the barrel real quick, guys. Sing it, Jake. All right, you're probably wondering why in the world are you doing that, right? Well, it's just something we're going to do this year, man. We're going to have as we roll out the barrel for these wins, because there's going to be plenty of them. I'm predicting anywhere from 12 to 14 wins for the Packers. 
What are you rolling out tonight? What you got there, man? What are you drinking, Jake? This is uh, one of my go-tos for a long time. The Lagunitas IPA. Simple, classic. Don't mess with a good thing. Used to drink that a lot in Nashville when I lived there. My man, you sound like a professional connoisseur over there. I'm yeah. rolling out the barrel with uh, my good buddy Sammy, right? We got the Sam Adams. I don't know if you can see that or not. Oktoberfest. This beer, man, I look for it every year. I'm not a heavy drinker. I'm a two or three beer kind of guy, right? And then I'm ready for bed. But that Oktoberfest, man, I don't know, dude. I, I can smell it and I taste it and I just want to rake leaves, man. It's that time of year. So cheers, dude. Cheers. All right, let's get into it. Let's recap this game. And uh, I thought it was a fun one to watch, man. I, did. I didn't think it was boring at all. Um, at times, it was frustrating with the defensive line. Let's just – I'm going to kind of go in order like we normally do, the notes that I wrote down, and you as well, Jacob. One of the things that jumped off the page in these Quay Walker there in the first quarter, man. What did you think of Quay Walker and his performance uh, tonight here against Kansas City? On the road yeah. there with the Chiefs, obviously, he was calling the plays, right? He was kind of the, the defensive captain, if you will. But what did you think of Quay? Yeah, man, I was really excited with what I saw out of Quay. Just you saw the explosion, the burst the power he's able to take on blocks. He's able to shed blocks. He's able to move side to side. And the biggest thing I think was the coverage. Um, you watched him basically just chasing guys around. And I, again, what did he have? I think it was after the first quarter, he had five total tackles, maybe two solo or whatever it was. So, you know what I mean? Like um, let's spread that out and over four quarters of what could be, I mean, that's a, that's a powerhouse at linebacker. That's a game changer right there. So, um, I'm excited about him. That being said, you know, I I wish I would have seen a little more from Isaiah McDuffie. You know, I I, I don't want it to be a flash in the pan from what we saw last week from him. But, you know, that being said, obviously, yeah, Quay. I think Quay is the real deal. Um, I think it's a great thing that I wanted to see more of him. You know, they pulled him before we even got to see what he could do. They saw him in the first quarter, saw him get all those tackles, three solo. I'm, I'm, I couldn't be more happy with Quay. I'm excited. Yeah, and Isaiah McDuffie, I don't know, he kind of flashed to me a little bit at times. Uh, I love the mm -hmm. way he attacks the ball. Um, I think I just got so used to watching Chris Barnes' uh, mediocre play that <laughs> Isaiah McDuffie almost looks like a superstar to me. But um, I thought yeah. he did okay tonight. You know, he had a few tackles. Um, the, back to Quay Walker, the thing that stood out to me was he had a great first step. Um, it seemed like he was leaning in the right direction every single play, Jacob. Uh, he just got that. I don't know, man. He, he's He's got that natural instinct at the linebacker position. And the way that he broke on the ball, the way that he would read, his read and recognition, especially on the running, uh, in the running game, was pretty – it was pretty remarkable. And, again, going against some backups, I get it. You, you don't have Pat Mahomes out there on the field. And, and they did that that snap we seen there uh, early in the, in the game there. Jacob was a uh, – it was basically to honor Lynn Dawson. That was what Patrick Mahomes was doing on the – on the uh, on the field, it was some kind of special formation. If I understood correctly, I kind of caught it on the backside. But um, again, Quay Walker, man, he continues to flash. Um, somebody else that really stood out to me, um, and he has really all preseason, Jack Heflin. Now maybe it's because we're seeing him more than obviously we haven't seen Kenny Clark. You've seen uh, you know limited amount of Dean. I don't even know if we've seen Dean Lowry one time. Have we seen him one snap this preseason, Dean Lowry? I don't. I don't think so. No. I don't either, man. So um, you've seen a lot of Jack Heflin, but he's really held his own, man. What What did you think of Jack Heflin tonight? You think he played pretty well? Yeah, man, the trash can full of dirt. I <clears throat> I do. He was our second leading tackler, five total, four solo. He had that one unbelievable break um, 
behind the line of scrimmage. I, it was either a third one or a fourth and one or something short yardage. And yeah, fourth down, yeah. I mean, holy man, he just he went through. I mean, I don't think they touched him to be honest. So it might have been a blown blocking assignment, but whatever it was, he took advantage of it and just oh, he trash canned that guy right into the dirt. It was amazing. Um, I don't know. <laughs> do, do we have a clip of that, or can we watch that, or listen to that, or? Yeah, we actually do. Let's uh, let's do that. Let's go to this play here of Jack Heflin. Um, actually, let's hold off on that. We got Matt Lafleur at the podium. Let's go to this real quick, and to remind me, we'll come back to Jack Heflin. Let's okay. go ahead and Coach Lafleur has to play here. So uh, he's at the podium here in Kansas City. Yeah, I was really proud of their effort. I think I thought our repeated quarters. Ask of anybody is just us each and every play, and. Um, um, you know, unfortunately, we came up a little bit short there at the end, but uh, I definitely commend the guys, the guys playing in this game. Uh, definitely uh, left it all out on the field. I thought just the support they were getting from some of the guys, some of the vets that weren't playing in the game, uh, you know, it, it's awesome to see when, you, when you're looking over and you're seeing guys, veterans, going over pitchers and trying to coach up the young guys. I think that's exactly what we're looking for here. We're, we're looking for guys that – um, kind of take the reins and, and you want to empower your players to, to really be a player-led team. And I think we've got a lot of great leadership on this football team. The interception at the end of the first half, is, is, that, a, is that a chance you're okay with Jordan taking when the clock is where it is or just can he not take that risk? Yeah, no, he, I think that I have to go back and look at it, but I thought, you know, when I watched it live, I, I thought, um, I was not unhappy with the decision at all. Uh, I, again, got to go see how the safety was playing, but I was looking at the same place he was, and I, I thought Alizé had to step on his man, and unfortunately uh, the, the strong safety was able to come across Alizé and, and make the pick. Yeah, so let's talk about that play for a second here, and we're going to get back to the Jack Heflin play. That play, they, they did a little sugar. They showed too high, right? They showed a too high look, and it was too high, man. And then at the last second, the safety that was high rolled into the box. It's like Jordan seen that immediately following post-snap. As soon as the ball was snapped, he noticed that. But then another guy dropped into coverage deep. So they still played a two-man look, a two-man under, if you will. However, the safety that was originally playing on the strong side came into the box. And I think that kind of told Jordan as soon as the ball was snapped, okay, I've got one-on-one -on -one down the seam. And lo and behold, he's seen a ghost, right? Through right into double coverage. So I think Coach LaFleur, when he goes back and looks at the tape, he's going to go, yeah, bad bad decision. You've got to know your side adjustments. You've got to look up and see that safety roll deep and go to another read. you got to play for the field goal there. I think what the guy was trying to say, the reporter there, and asking LaFleur was essentially, um, are you okay with taking a shot there and just trying to get into the end zone? No. You play for a field goal. You build a little momentum coming out of the coming out of halftime. Totally different ball game. But let's do this real quick, Jacob. Let's go to that clip you were talking about because Jack Heflin with this fourth down stop was uh, it was awesome, man. Let's check this out real quick here if I can find it. Yeah, right here it was a fourth and one, uh, and this was uh, actually with four minutes left in the third quarter. They win. And you get stuffed in the backfield. <laughs> Well, there was some miscommunication getting lined up. And Jack Heflin makes the play. And then uh, nobody blocks Heflin in the middle there. He just goes right between the B gap. Love it, love it. Absolutely demolished that cat, man. What a what a great play there. 
You called it Jacob Live. Um, you said, man, nobody blocked Heflin, but you could tell they loaded the line of scrimmage. They sold out to the run, probably had some outside man coverage, and that was it. It was, hey, look, let's penetrate the gaps. Let's shut down the run. But Jack Heflin, man, I think he makes this roster, dude. Do you, do you have him penciled in now? Do you feel like he, he earned the 53-man spot? Yeah, I do. Because um, what, it'd be either him, Ford, Blyer, Byers, or whatever, or uh, uh, Slayton, Chris Slayton. And, yeah, we talked about this a little bit off air. I just feel like Jack Heflin's been in too many great positions. He's put himself into too many good plays. He seems to be that guy that kind of – he reminds me of um, kind of like the Aaron Campman types or, you know, the guys that just – they come in there – or the Dean Lowry type, you know, where they just – they come in and they plug away, they plug away, they plug away, and they don't really get a lot of the flashy plays, but they're just – they're that trench guy, you know, and they just um, – they work every day, and I, I sneakily liked him last year, and he made the fifty-three last year, didn't he? If I'm not mistaken, yeah, pretty sure he did. Yeah, I was surprised. So, I remember. I, that. I think that um, I think that he does take that sixth spot, um, and if if worst case scenario, I I don't know if he's eligible for the practice squad, but I would hope that we try to keep him at least, snag him, and um, hold him as long as we can. I believe is what going into year two now. Year is that it? It may be year three. I'm not sure. I don't have the, the – I think he's an Iowa boy. I'm not exactly sure, but – Yeah, big old boy. Trash can full of dirt. I like him, dude. I think he's somebody yeah. that if he stays healthy, you can tell he plays hard. And uh, that goes a long way, man. It really does. And and he's obviously someone who knows the system. And I'm telling you, that's huge. So many people were quick to say, bring in better talent. Just bring in better talent. And then they have to take a step back to learn the system, to learn a scheme, to learn the responsibility, you know, how, how, the, how the gap assignments work. And this Joe Barry defense is just so many things that, that come into play there. But let's go back to Coach LaFleur at the podium real quick and see what uh, see what he's talking about now. So uh, here's Coach LaFleur. Still passion for, for the other team. Did, did Quay Walker show what you wanted to see from this Being asked about oh, Quay I thought, Walker. I thought Quay had a nice night tonight. Uh, certainly um, he is far from a finished product, but I think that – the guy takes just unbelievable mental reps every play. Like I was asking him why he was so far away from the defense late in the game. He goes, because I want to see, uh, I, I can see everything from back here. And I was like, man, that's a great answer because that's what I do. When, when we call plays or whatever, you, you, you line up. I usually am like 30, 40 yards behind the sticks trying to see everything. And I thought, I thought that was um, just – He's wise beyond his years to, to be able to get, get that perspective in that situation. I thought that showed a lot of maturity from him, um, but I love watching him run. He, he's a big guy that can, that can move, run sideline to sideline, and it's going to be fun to watch him paired up next to another kind of creature and, and have two six-foot-three-plus <laughs> linebackers in there that can really run and, and are very good players. Ah, Jacob, that's got to get you excited right there, man. Um, and I love that answer. You know? Next to another 6'3 creature. creature. <laughs> <laughs> and I love how he, he said that, man. He was like, you know, I, I asked him, why aren't you up there with your teammates with the rest of the defense? Because they're all standing right there at the line of scrimmage, and he's standing back, and it's because he wants to see the play. He's, he's soaking everything up, and I think that's huge. And I can just see him standing off to the side, that quiet, that silent leadership, right, and just taking it all in, 
And uh, I think he's somebody who's going to be a leader, man. It's going to be kind of like Rashawn Gary. When Rashawn Gary came on the team, you had Zadarius, you had Preston. Rashawn yeah. kept his mouth shut and earned everybody's respect. Now he's a vocal leader. I can see that with Quay in two or three years. Yeah. Um, he's passed the eye test for me, Jacob. But uh, I think he's somebody. I think we uh, I think we landed us one there. You know, Devontae Wyatt, the jury's still out, right? And, and typically this is what happens with rookie players. It takes a year or two. You've seen it with Rashawn. We just talked about it. But with Quay, man. There's just something right off the bat. The way he broke on the ball, the way he got into the backfield. I don't want to turn this into the Quay Walker show, but, um, man, I'm really, really excited about it. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a testament to this draft because even though I've been more invested into this draft and this offseason, into the preseason, all that stuff, I cannot remember a linebacker or a defensive player that we drafted that ever shown this much confidence, that the coaches have shown this much confidence in playing with the first teams, letting defense and then you look at the other side and you see guys like Dobbs and Watson and even Torre and Tom and, you know, those kinds of guys that are getting a lot of, you know, the Packers, I've always hated how we draft guys and they're always developmental. We don't play them in the first year. We barely let them see the field and it drives yeah. me nuts. And it always drives, you know, a lot of other fans nuts, I'm sure. But it seems like this year, I don't know if it was a conscious thing that they did or if it was a, a conversation they had, but they seem that they're going to, put their, their their draft picks out there, and if they can play, they're going to basically sink or swim. Go out there and show us that you can play. If you can play, we're going to put you out there. If you can't, then we want to know that you can't, but we're going to at least test it. So I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm so excited for this defense. Once we get everybody out there, I'm, I want them just to start hunting, just blowing people up. Yeah, I'm completely with you, man, for sure. Um, let's move on to Jordan Love. Let's talk about Jordan Love for a second. Um Stats again, you're gonna look at the stat line and go, yeah, it's a bad game. But yeah. to me, I, I'm I'm totally expecting a PFF grade in the 60s, which isn't horrible, right? It's a step back from last week. Last week he balled out. But the pick, the pick was a mistake. But what I leave this game encouraged about, first of all, when the pick came, he's playing with scrubs. I mean, let's be honest. There's there's not a single starter out there on the on the line in the backfield. Or as far as you know, uh, weapons, whatever you know, uh, receivers, tight ends, and to me, his intermediate passing was really, really solid. I mean, he was extremely accurate. That and him moving around in the pocket, him being able to extend plays. He he has that Aaron Rodgers s to him, right? That that ability to to move around and and create just enough time to get to that third and fourth three. When, when the play is completely busted. Now, there was a couple times we've seen him running downfield, looking backwards, and you and I got frustrated. It's like, stop looking back and just run down the freaking field. <laughs> but he's young, man. He's young. He's raw, right? But you can see the talent. You see the quickness <clears throat> in his feet. You see the, the footwork in the pocket has really, really improved, and the intermediate accuracy is, is off the charts. Now, he missed deep again. I think at one point he was 0 for 6 on passes over yeah. 20 yards. But – it, they were all safe throws aside from when he threw into double coverage. When he missed, he missed away from the defender. And that's something you've seen Aaron do over and over and over to the point where people have questioned his deep accuracy, which if you look at the stats, Aaron is a, is a short thrower. That's what he does. That's how he's won back-to-back MVPs, short intermediate passes. So what did you think of Jordan Love, man? What's your takeaway there? Yeah, man, I liked what I saw. If you erase that interception, his stat line does not look that horrible at all. Bingo. Um, and again, we talked about the, the throws that were the short to intermediate throws. They were on point and they were hitting the guy in stride. Um, 
you know, I know Ryan and some other uh, segments, we've talked about how love has thrown balls. They're kind of behind guys that they have to stretch for, that they have to reach behind for. It seemed like that predominantly these throws today up until he started going deep were right on the money. And those deep balls, although he didn't connect with them, like two or three of them, I believe, were you give him another six inches of reach and he's got the ball there. So like you said, they put him in a position where if there was going to be anybody that could make a play on the ball, it was going to be the wide receiver, not the D-back. And that's a win, in my opinion, a small win, not a big win. But, I mean, 16 for 26, 148. No touchdowns, one interception. He had one rush for five yards. But, again, you did see him sense when he's in the pocket, he's not running just because he wants to run to create more opportunities. He senses the pocket collapsing, and then he knows he has to run to create more opportunities. He's not trying to run to create the opportunities, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, that's a great point. And it's huge. It really is. Um, let's get negative for a second. You want, you want to be a couple of negative Nancy's? Let me get me a drink of this Oktoberfest. We're going to get negative. For a <laughs> nah, um, the defensive line today, bro, the defensive line got bullied uh, in the running game early and often. We got so frustrated there in the first half because it was just constantly – when you're playing a two-gap – when you're playing a two-gap system with this 34 front, the defensive line, it, what that means is – if you're playing a zero technique and you're playing nose, right? Let's say you're playing nose tackle, you're a zero technique. Guys, I'm going to explain zero technique to you real quick or what technique means. Uh, imagine every offensive line accounting for an even number. So the center is a zero. If you go left guard, it's a two. If you go right guard, it's a two. If you go left tackle, it's a four. If you go right tackle, it's a four. Meaning if you line up directly across from those offensive linemen, that's the technique you're playing. So a nose tackle lined up right across the center is a zero technique. So when you're playing a two-gap system, you're lined up against the center. Your responsibility is when the ball is snapped, you're covering the, the A-gap to your right and the A-gap to your left. And your, your goal, whether you're double-teamed or not, is to drag that offensive lineman into that gap and plug it up and let the linebackers make the play. What I've seen tonight, Jacob, it was frustrating because every time they ran the ball, it looked like it was a 34 front, but it looked like, they were playing one gap. There was just a there was hand fighting, and there was no lateral movement to clog those running lanes, and it was really really frustrating. Now there were no starters out there, but at the same time, you see a T.J. Slayton, you see a Devonte Wyatt, and it's like, come on, dude, that's a first round pick and a second year player that's been lighting up in the pass pass rushing game, which blows my mind because he should be a run stuffer, and somehow he's been great at you know at at rushing the quarterback this preseason, but um, what did you think of the defensive line, man? Were you as down on them as I was tonight? Yeah, I was. Um, I touched on that. I think it was in the live stream that we did. That was one of the key things that I wanted to see. Um, It's weird because with all of the um, in-depth analysis and all the stuff that we've been focusing on, we as Packer fans see our defense and we're keying on certain guys seeing that, oh, they look good against the run, like, you know, Heflin and uh, seeing stuff that, Slayton does and seeing stuff that you know individual guys are doing but as a whole I don't realize or I didn't realize that the Packers run defense is like 27th the PFF grade you know it's not good it's not good at all and so I wanted to see them take a step tonight they did not take a step if anything they took one in the in the wrong direction um and we look at even just the fact that like they're rushing you know 
Isaiah Pekacheco or whatever his name is, he averaged 5.2. Ronald Jones averaged 5.4. The next guy averaged five. And then after that, it's just basically back backup quarterbacks rushing for, you know, one or two yards. But <clears throat> um, they were able to basically – they'd take a delayed handoff out of the shotgun, which – and then they'd – get initial contact in the backfield from either one of the D linemen or a linebacker. And then they definitely run for six to seven to eight, nine, 10 yards. It seemed like every single play. And so that just, that, that gives me nightmares of old Packer units, you know, watching them for the last five years where we just can't make a play. You make a contact where you could, it could be a tackle for a loss. And then the guy runs for six, seven, eight, nine yards. And it's just, it's very, very frustrating. Yeah, but that being said, I mean those aren't our ones, so we'll right. see what happens once we got the stars out there. Absolutely, we had Jordan Love at the podium just a second ago. Let's see if we can get a little sound here from uh, from the QB one tonight. You know the one we had, we we're on the goal line. We had a couple and things moved us back, but uh, just the way we're moving the ball, you know, I, I think everybody was just executing at a high level. Uh, we were all playing together, and we just had a good rhythm. On the interception at the end of the first half, are you are you kind of taking a chance there because of where the clock is, or or just how, how did how did that play unfold in your eyes? Yeah, I mean, you know, two minute clock. I think we were thirty seconds at the time, um, but you know, it's coverage I seen Tampa two. They were rolling to it, um, and we had a you know route going right down the middle. I just tried to hit him over the top. Um, you know, took a chance on it. Probably looking back on it, wish I would have thrown a you know a back shoulder ball to him. Um, I don't think he was winning over the top, but uh, yeah, you know, I think uh, looking back on it, just, you know, maybe take the shorter throw right there and just try and keep moving the sticks. You know, we had uh, some timeouts right there, so um, you know, just a situation I can learn from. A uh, great two-minute situation right there, but uh, yeah, just just trying to take a shot right there and force the ball a little bit. That's a great answer, Jacob. Great answer. So he just said right there, <clears throat> it wasn't two man under; it was actually a Tampa two. For those of you who don't know, Tampa two coverage. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Zone defense, you've got underneath zone, right? So you've got the corners that typically play a press look, right? And that's why I was thinking it was two-man under. They'll jam and carry the receiver typically five to seven yards, and then they pass it off. And what you have is the two safeties on the shelf, they're responsible for covering deep halves of the field. And typically the Tampa aspect of the Tampa 2 is you have a middle linebacker that covers the deep middle. You do not want to throw down the middle of the field against Tampa 2. You just don't. Because essentially what it is is they're sugaring a cover two look, but the Tampa two aspect of the middle linebacker dropping deep down the seam turns it into a cover three. You never want to throw down the seam late on a cover three, maybe early, because you can catch the seam route just over top of the underneath curl coverage and uh, or just over top of the curl coverage, but just underneath the safeties on the shelf. So he said they rolled into it, and that was the post-snap read that I was talking about. And he said, you know, I could have threw a back shoulder ball, but – Again, that was you could tell that was the competitor speaking because the second half of that answer, he said, probably should have checked it down and kept moving. Yeah, the I was gonna so, say back shoulder ball probably just means the other guy picks it off. It's kind of what it like. Yeah, pick your guy, pick your poison, right? Yeah. So, uh, but, but I like Jordan, man. Jordan's matured a lot. Um, I it, like I said, it's gonna be some growing pains, especially when you're out there playing with backups. But uh, I think he's uh, I think he's on track, man. I think so. Tonight, I'd be lying if I said tonight wasn't a setback though, because that is a key mistake in a crucial situation. You guys have heard me talk at nauseum about the middle eight. Jacob, that was the perfect example right there. You had a chance to get a minimum of three points before halftime and then come out after halftime and try to capitalize. If you can somehow win the middle eight, your chances of winning the ball game go up tremendously. That and turnover differential. I mean, it was literally two negatives in one play. You lost the middle eight because of that play, but you also lost the turnover differential because of that play. And, again, it's preseason, playing with backups, and you're looking to improve on stuff. You're looking at taking shots. You want to see what people can physically do, things like that. So I totally get it. But uh, let's can move I give on. a uh, quick, quick, quick uh, projection or guess? Yeah. What do you think Love's PFF grade is? I'm going 67.2. Oh, I like it. Let me write this down. I'd like to see how close we get. You said 67.2. I'm going to say I'm going to say 63 because part of me wanted to say – 63 flat? Oh, yeah. You kidding me? I, I've done this forever. Yeah, 63. <laughs> no, but part of me wanted to say the 50s, but then or part of me wanted to say the upper 60s. And then the other half was like, I don't. OK, the placement of the ball balls were there. That sounds really bad. Placement of the balls. Yeah, but anyway, buddy. The, the placement was was good. Right. I felt like he made decent decisions. The only one bad decision. I wouldn't be surprised if he grades in the 70s. I really wouldn't. But at the same time, I, I'm going to guess 63. 
That's what I'm going to say. So I like that though, man. We need to start doing that more often. Guess we a little one player yeah. PFF guess. I like that a lot. Um, all right. One of the players that stood out was our boy uh, um, Goodson, right? Halfback Goodson. And uh, he had a big play, probably the play of the night for the Green Bay Packers. And let's uh, go to the sound bite here as he uh, knocked off a huge run here. Finish it with a little little spin move, a little Tasmanian devil look, if you will. But let's go to uh, Goodson here on this run. This was huge. This was actually third and ten with 13 minutes left in the second quarter. And it's funny, in my mind, I'm thinking I would run a draw here. I didn't say it out loud. I'm thinking run a draw, pick up five yards, and kick the field goal. But it turned out a lot better than that. But here's the play. To have a great staff. All right, third down here. It is some space. It's Goodson, and he gets the touchdown for the Packers. Love it, love it, love it, love it, dude. That was a uh, that was a nice play, Jacob. I know we. Uh, I came up out of my seat. And we may have said some bad words on the on the live stream. I don't know. It's funny, man. We uh we got a little bit wild on my channel. We were on Ryan's. We'd be sitting like we were in class, right in the classroom. But over here, it got a little bit loose. Um, anyway, what'd you think of Goodson, man? Do you think he made the roster tonight? What'd you think of the performance? And uh and does he beat out Taylor? Because Taylor looked good there toward the end too. I don't know if you noticed. He made a couple plays himself, a couple cutbacks. But what do you think about yeah. Goodson? Yeah, Taylor. Honestly, um. Taylor finished with technically a better day. He had seven carries for 34 yards. Goodson had seven carries for 28. Um, Goodson obviously had the touchdown, a long of 24. So Goodson basically had bottled up other than that last uh, touchdown run or the, the touchdown run. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Taylor, he looked a lot better than I thought he would. He caught some uh, some passes, you know, some balls out of the backfield. But that Goodson run, man, I just <clears throat> I feel like that's what the Packers are looking for in a running back, somebody that can take – he that reminded me of uh kind of like Starks or Amon Green where you just take it, make one cut, and then knife forward. Go as fast as you can. You know what I mean? Don't don't dance around, don't do any of that stuff. Just cut, put your head down, and then like you said, he did a little spin move at the end. Um it 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 just felt good to see that happen. That being said, I if Kylan Hill is healthy, I don't think Goodson makes the team. The fact that they're putting Kylan on pop, obviously. I think this is just kind of a buffer to see. We've seen enough from Goodson that he can be um, serviceable in that amount of time, and then I think they're going to probably bring Kyle back if he's if he's ready. Yeah, I agree, man. I agree. Um, we got Mike in the chat. Thanks for tuning in, Mike. Appreciate you and Jonathan in here in the chat. Mike said uh, exactly what I saw, two man deep. Number 10, just good enough to be the backup this year. And any really, that's all that matters. So basically saying that's all that really matters anyway. And, and I agree with that for sure. He also said here, I'll post this real quick as we move on. Uh, Mike in the chat said, hang in there, fellas. This is going to be a this is be lit in the regular season. Very good content. Appreciate that, man. And that's what's so funny, Mike, is this whole uh, postgame show, it's uh, it's uh, preseason for us too. We wanted to test this out and screw it up now, try to refine it and, uh, and get ready for the regular season. But we appreciate you hanging out with us, buddy. And I, and I agree with Tim, man. That's the beautiful thing, man. We got a Hall of Fame quarterback, first ballot Hall of Famer, four-time MVP, Back-to-back MVP playing at the top of his game, leader of the back. Um, and, and this guy gets to learn from him at least one more year. And we'll re, uh, you know, situation next year, right? And uh, I, I'm not writing off if if they see enough, Jacob, with uh, with Jordan Love. This is how I would like to see it play out. Aaron already said he's not going to drag this thing out, and he's not going to play for another team. He ruled that out. He said when he hangs it up, it's not going to be a long, drawn-out decision. It's going to be they'll know quick. So let's say he decides to come back next year, right? 
Well, that's going to be the final year of Jordan Love's contract. So let's say he comes back next year and he hangs it up right after that. Aaron says, this is my last year. I'm talking about next year. Rather than pick up that fifth-year option and take a huge hit against the cap, go ahead and sign Jordan Love to an extension. And it's exactly the same format that they used for Aaron Rodgers. You guys remember, when they re-signed him, he was one of the cheaper starting quarterbacks in the league. And two years later, he's playing MVP caliber. Now, I'm not saying Jordan Love is Aaron Rodgers' level. Don't take me wrong. But you do that and you put that in place. It's the same exact thing we're going to be able to capitalize with these receivers. If you hit on Christian Watson, you hit on Romeo Dobbs. You've got one of the cheapest starting receiving cores in the entire National Football League where everyone else in the league is overpaying for wide receivers. You're going to have that advantage. You continue to bolster this defense and make sure that offensive line stays short up. Maybe go out and get a big playmaking tight end, whatever you want to do, right? Um, I just think that that could be a really a huge, huge benefit and asset. And, and you're probably sitting there going, okay, if Aaron Rodgers is on the con- on, on the team next year, his contract's huge, right? and then you're going to re-sign Jordan Love, how are you going to make that work? It's very simple. That first year, you actually reduce cost on that contract extension. Aaron Rodgers steps away, and let's say Jordan steps out there and he's making $15 million per year. And you're probably thinking, that's a lot of money for Jordan Love. No, it's not. Not in this quarterback market. I mean, you've got quarterbacks making 45 to $50 million a year. Like, you're talking about the things that you could do with that roster, Jacob, would be huge. Again, it, it all comes down to the coaching staff think he's the next – that he's the answer, right? I mean, that's what it really comes down to. And if they don't think he's the answer, then you, you continue looking for the answer, right? So, um, all right, let's move along here. A couple busted coverages. We're not going to harp on that too much. It just seemed like people were out of place. Um, you know, several times it was just like, wow, they, they – they, you know, I believe it was Carpenter. I won't get into it again here. Carpenter looks bad, man. I want to like Carpenter. I love his versatility. He's a thumper, all that stuff you've seen on the college film. He wasn't, you know, the the big knock on Carpenter was football like you. The guy didn't look like he had the ability to play uh, the safety or linebacker position at the NFL level at a high level. He's got the physical traits, but he just he didn't he didn't show that that mental toughness. He didn't show that that football IQ, knowing what to do um, in the heat of the battle. And he got burned over the top, man. It looked like a too-high look. It was probably a cover four, but at the same time, there was man principles underneath. So whatever the key suggested, I have a hard time believing the other three DBs were wrong and he was right because <laughs> he bit on the underneath. Knowing the safety is is over to the top on the, on the strong side, who's covering it? It was like immediately he thought, oh, I screwed this up. So Carpenter gets a huge negative mark. For me – I wouldn't carry him on the roster. I'd probably carry uh, Abernathy before him. And looking at the PFF grades for the preseason, very, very minute sample size. But Abernathy, I think, finished in the 80s right now, PFF grades. So um, I would carry Abernathy over Carpenter for sure. But, uh, yeah. What did you think, man? you think Carpenter played himself off the roster as far as uh, obviously trying to make it to the practice squad? But do you, do you think he makes a roster or do you think he's done? I think he played himself. He didn't play himself onto the roster, that's for sure. Um, like you said, he's got all the traits, the physical traits, the, the stuff you'd like to see. And I think it is maybe a testament as to why he was a linebacker safety tweener because he couldn't be one of – he couldn't be great, great at either. You know what I mean? So he kind of got thrown at that. Well, maybe he could be either or. I think he's neither. So, um, And as far as special teams, I don't remember if he was one of those guys that graded decently on special teams, but I don't think it's been good enough to – 
to, to get him on the 53. Like you said, I think that even guys like Ennis Gaines uh, are, bef- are in front of him just because of the fact that, like you said, if, if he just doesn't seem to have the football like you, he doesn't seem like you put him out there and he's dissecting what's going on. He seems more reactionary, you know, and uh, I think that in the safety position, that's probably your other than middle linebacker. You need a really, really great safety that understands how to dissect the play before it even starts. And for him, he seems like he's, like I said, he's reacting. He's not being proactive at all. Yeah, I agree. Um, Amari Rogers. Well, first of all, uh, Canella, right? Man, give me Canella over Tyler Davis, bro. Please. <laughs> like, it just seems like, and it's not that Canella is great. Tyler Davis is just bad, man. I don't know, bro. So it, and I know the coaching staff came out and defended him this week, but gosh, Jacob, I, I, and I hate to bash one player and I'm typically the guy that goes, yeah, but we don't know the whole story. I don't know, dude. Every time this guy's on the field, he's just doing something wrong. Um, but yeah, Canella, Canella gave me a little bit of hope. I believe Mac left hurt. We need to get an update on that later. I'm not sure what the latest is on that, but, uh, he did leave hurt at one point. So yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of how that unfolded. All right. Amari Rogers. Did I, let's look at the final stat line here. Let me get an update real quick. Amari Rogers finished four targets, had four catches for 39 yards, right? Had a great game. I mean, he, great Great hands tonight. You could tell Love really leaned on him at times, and even uh, and I believe Etling might have too there toward the end of the game. But more so than him, though, look <clears> at our <throat> boy Samori Torre with with his uh, 53-man roster spot on the line. Eight targets, six catches for 83 yards. What did you think of our boy Samori and uh, and Amari Rogers showing up tonight? Yeah, real quick about Amari. I mean, he he looked. We talked about it during the live stream. He looked way more confident and he looked when he was receiving he looked more like a receiver and when he was taking the balls on the end round he looked really really like a running back you know type of position he actually did run the ball three times for 17 yards um and again four catches for 39 four targets i mean you can't ask much more of him and um we were talking about how he does that jet motion or the end round motion whatever you want to call it and when they seemed like they they handed that actually off to him two times starting in the beginning of the game and that sets that whole motion that whole sequence of that play call for the rest of the game we talked about that and um i love that i think that's a great aspect that he brings that we should have had him doing more of that last year and then samari tori man uh, we talked about again that if if my guy winfrey who is my my dark horse i want him to make you know the whether it's six or seven wide receivers it's still hard for him to make the team if he were not to make the team, I would only not riot and burn the streets if Samari Torre takes that position from him because I think that – and you talk about the draft. Think about this. I mean, from all indications, Watson, definitely Dobbs, definitely Torre are three pretty good strikes at wide receivers, especially when you look at the fact that we did it in the second, the fourth, and then the seventh round. I mean, that's – Goody cannot get any more – accolades and uh props for his for this year's draft i i other than carpenter and maybe walker i I see i see projectable starters and almost everybody on this draft list which is pretty impressive yeah and when it comes to torre for me 
the thing that stood out was, you know, great catch in traffic, got great balance, great body control, uh, being able to stay on his feet and almost get in the end zone there. Um, I don't know. Torre, I think uh, I would be totally cool with them carrying him on the 53-man roster. At the same time, I understand if you pass him on to the practice squad, there's a good chance he doesn't get picked up. Um, but, yeah, I, I like Torre a lot. If you're going to carry an extra receiver, I think he's kind of earned his spot there. Again, Winfrey, though, you know, Winfrey's probably the better was, receiver right he now. He was solid again. And if yeah. if Love could have just corralled that ball like six inches, Winfrey would have had the catch of the game. Remember that streaking down the right sideline? And he was just about a foot away from making that. I mean, that was beautiful ball. Yeah. And uh, this comes from Wes Hodkowitz um, per Matt Schneidman. And uh, Matt Schneidman retweeted it, said, Nate Becker is the injured Packers player. Injury starting to mount at tight end as Matt got banged up too. So down a couple more tight ends. Um, not that those two guys were going to make the roster. I think it was definitely either going to be Tyler Davis or Canella, most likely. I'm still just baffled, man, that uh, that um, Daphne got cut. I really felt still, like he was the yeah. – the more well-rounded tight end, but obviously there was something there, man, something that they seen. So, all right. Um, anything else you want to cover before we get to our dog of the week? Hmm. Man, I think that's that's about it, man. Other than um, – yeah, that's, that's that's probably about it. All right. I mean, other than, if you want to talk about maybe um, trying to do uh, – getting somebody to do your fantasy draft for you. Oh yeah, that? let's do that. Let's do that. Um, before we before we do our dog of the week, um, so we're doing a fantasy league, right? For the Packernet pod or for yeah, Packernet podcast. Here's the deal, guys. I suck at fantasy. I say I suck because I know I suck because I've never done fantasy, right? Maybe one or two leagues ten years ago, and uh, every time I've gotten into, I'm like, I just want to watch game film and nerd out over a muted TV and watching you know, offensive line splits in certain situations. I don't really care about fantasy, but we're doing one as a Packernet team. So here's what I need. Everybody hearing my voice, if you're interested in being my general manager for the Packernet Podcast Fantasy Football League, message me on Twitter or send me an email. You can send an email to PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com or you can send a tweet to me at Packers underscore access. Just send it in the DMs and say, hey, man, I'd like to be your general manager. And I know I'm going to get multiple people reaching out, and I'm going to screen them tight because, hey, listen, I'm in it to win it, all right? I suck at fantasy, but I'm going to be the Jerry Jones sitting in the background clapping while somebody else holds that holds that uh, trophy up for me. And then I'll do like Jerry Jones and run their you-know-what off uh, like you did Jimmy Johnson, right? Get them, get get the ship and then get them out of here. That's what I'm going to do. So do you got any news you want to break as far as that goes, though, Jacob, as far as the fantasy league or – Anything like that? Is there any 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 details you have right now? Are you still ironing everything out? No, nah, man, we're, we're getting closer. It's probably going to be sometime next week where we have the uh, first initial podcast. We're still trying to get our intro music, that kind of stuff. We got some weird guy from Tennessee uh, that's going to do our intro, a little history segment of what fantasy football is and how it was created. Um, so it'll be pretty cool. And we're just going to, like I said, not take ourselves too seriously. It's going to be something we're going to try to be very interactive with put a lot of posts out on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, being like, you know, starts and sits, ask us your questions of those scenarios, that which guys you want to, you know, put in that kind of thing. Just, it'll be fun, man. So let's yeah. get back to the dog. All right, let's do it. It's time guys. This is my favorite segment. Let's get to the dog of the week. 
And uh, this is our player of the week, but we call it the dog of the week because we just try to sound cool and we probably suck really bad at that. But here we go. Man, that sounds like me over a piece of stuffed crust pizza right there, Jacob. I'm gonna lie, dude. I, I get I get angry over my stuffed crust pizza. All right, dog of the week for me. I'm gonna go first here, and y'all gonna laugh and make fun of me, but I am so freaking excited, Mr. Pat O'Donnell. Oh my gosh, I can already feel the anxiety lowering this football season. First of all, the operations aspect is pretty much clean as a whistle. Would you agree, Jacob? Oh yeah, looks smooth. I mean, it's there is it's like all of the problems have disappeared, and you've got Pat O'Donnell holding. With a crappy no-name backup kicker hitting field goal after field goal this preseason, right? Ramiz Ahmed, I guess is how you say it, is yep. the kicker. And I'm telling you, the dude is just lights out this preseason. And it's because of Pat O'Donnell and the operation in Holden. Kudos to Rich Basaccia. Um, you know, first of all, choosing Coco over Wordle, right? So, obviously, the snapping issue seems to be fixed. You notice that it got really quiet, Jacob, with the whole snapping issue. Um, you know, it was it was ugly there in camp about a week, what, week and a half, two weeks ago. Now, all of a sudden, it's quiet again. And there has been no botch snaps. Pat O'Donnell has had the operations aspect of, of kicking field goals and extra points down to a T. But let's talk about the punting a second, dude. Every ball he hit tonight, we were like, my God. I mean, he – I, I didn't think he had a leg. I thought he was a directional punter that was good in cold weather because he played in Chicago, which Ryan kind of debunked that and said, ah, no, not really. I mean, he's just a, you know, he, he's just as just as good in, uh, uh, you know, just as bad in, in good weather as he is in bad weather, if that makes sense. Um, right. But tonight, averaged 56.3 yards per punt, and his long was 69 yards. But not one time, Jacob, when special teams was on the field. I'm not talking about kickoff. I'm not I'm not talking about you know kickoff team and kickoff return team. That stuff is still hot garbage. Don't get me wrong. But the fact that we now have shored up, it seems like we have shored up the operations aspect of field goals and extra points, and we've got us a freaking punter. I am so excited, dude. What did you think about Pat O'Donnell tonight before we get to your dog of the week? Yeah, I was just gonna say because that's not like a uh small sample size either he punted six times for a total of 338 yards as you said a 56.3 average and uh, the long of 69 and every punt that you saw the guy make i think that's a testament you can see when the when the uh when the punt catcher has to backtrack and keep backtracking and keep and then they turn around and have to run like that to me you know you had a good punt um yeah. if the punt coverage was even just a tiny bit decent um, I think those numbers would have been amazing because they were there. Like I said, it's almost like that, that uh, defensive pass rush or the run defense. We were there. We put a hand on the returner and then he makes a juke or breaks the tackle and runs for another 10, 15 yards. So if we can shore that up, then I'll be real jacked about our special teams. But right now I still see us very dangerously close as to where we were last year, but Let's, I got let's you, just, man. Well, get, hey, let's do this better. one more time. Let's hit it one more time for you because it's time for your dog of the week. All right, Jacob, what do you got, dude? Talk, talk to I'm switching it up right now at the last minute. I was going to go with Samari. I was, you know, I thought I had to go 
Samari, but to be honest, I think I got to go back to, to Quay. Um, Quay was just dominant in that first quarter that he played in. Again, five tackles, three solo. And it's not necessarily just uh, the stats. It's the fact that the way he flowed to the ball, the way that he was able to, to drop in coverage and then to close when the ball was there, he would, he would close on that defender. He was taking on blocks. He was shedding blocks. And again, he did that. I think they caught him after like the first quarter. So you give him four quarters and project those numbers. He's got 20 tackles and how many for a loss, you know, how many sacks maybe he has. I want to see if they could start, you know, when, when Devondre is out there with him, if they can somehow quarterback spy him or send him on a delayed blitz or like try to turn him into a Micah Parsons type threat. Like the guy can do everything. He's just a freak of nature. And I'm so excited to see what he could do. Therefore, he is my dog of the week. Love it, dude. Love it. All right. Well, it's funny, man. I, I just went back to the Packers Twitter feed before we get out of here. Just want to make sure no news dropped or whatever. And they had cut up the sound by Matt LaFleur talking about your dog of the week. So uh, let's go to it one more time here and hear him talk about yeah. Quay Walker being wise beyond his years. And then we'll wrap this big bear up and get everybody out of here. He had a nice night tonight. Uh, certainly um, he is far from a finished product, but I think that the guy takes just – unbelievable mental reps every play like i was asking him why he was so far away from the defense late in the game he goes because i want to see uh I, I can see everything from back here and i was like man that's a great answer because that's what i do when, when we call plays or whatever you, you you line up i usually am like 30 40 yards behind the sticks trying to see everything and i thought i thought that was um just he's wise beyond his years to to be able to Get, get that perspective in that situation. I thought that showed a lot of maturity from him. Uh, but I love watching him run. He, he's a big guy that can, that can move, run sideline to sideline. And it's going to be fun to watch him paired up next to another kind of creature and, and have two six-foot-three-plus <laughs> linebackers in there that can really run and, and are very good players. Love it. That creature, man. I could hear that all night, dude. Those dogs – are going to eat this year, dude. Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker. Could you imagine how much better Quay Walker is going to be with Devondre Campbell right there in his hip pocket going, hey, Quay, watch this. Like, hey, Quay, look for that. Like, yeah, hey, not, not just that. Imagine when he has Devondre to the right of him or to the left of him and he's got Preston and Gary and he's got Jair Ooh. and Zool and Stokes on the side of him and he's got Kenny in the middle. <laughs> dude. Come on, dude. Oh, yeah. It's 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 almost too much. It's going to be a good year, fellas. It's going to be a good year. Uh, ladies, yeah. too, I'm sorry. It's going to be a great year. So let's wrap it up there, dude. Jacob, thank you so much for your time, man. This was a blast tonight. I know, Ryan, like I said, guys, thank you for putting up with us uh, on the live stream tonight. We kind of filled in for Ryan. He had his uh, his son's birthday, and this is what's so cool, man. This is, this is one of the reasons why I'll follow Ryan to the end of the freaking earth. He messaged me earlier and said, hey, man, um, no live stream tonight. It's my son's birthday, and he said he wants to, he wants to watch the game with me upstairs. So basically, his son played the birthday card, slammed it on the table, said, "Listen, dude, you're watching the game with me tonight, not those knuckleheads." And I'm all about it. So um, happy birthday to, to little Slip over there, and um, yeah, that's uh, that's good stuff, man. We uh, um, excited to just be a part of this team, Jacob. Dude, we made it through the the off season, we made it through the preseason, we tested this stuff out, dude. 
And now it's uh, we're going to take a week off here. When I say a week off, we're not going to take a week off. We're going to be back um, this coming week with more pods, but um, going to get everything kind of ironed out. And then week one's coming like a freight train. It's going to be an absolute blast. So just so you guys know what we have coming up next week. Um, first of all, we're going to be doing a pod on Saturday, okay? And uh, basically, that's just going to be kind of recapping the game a little bit. We're going to save chalk talk until Sunday. You going to be with me on Sunday, Jacob? I got you on Sunday, yep. Awesome. I'll see if Ryan's available too. If so, he's totally invited to join us. We're going to do chalk talk. We're going to pick one play from this uh, this Packers-Chiefs game and break it down, give you the terminology. We're going to talk about it inside and out. We're going to talk, we're going to talk technique. We're going to talk personnel. We're going to talk scheme, all that stuff. The goal is to have everyone come away from that segment just a little bit more intelligent about what the Packers are trying to do in that specific play, and we'll huddle up and figure out what play we want to do. And then we're going to come back on Tuesday, which is the 30th, guys. That's the 53-man roster cut down next Tuesday. It's we'll my birthday. Yeah. Oh, is it really? Just saying. How old are you, dude? I got to hear it. How old are you? 35. 35, all right. All right. Hey, happy early birthday, man. We'll have to get you something other than a hard time. We'll have to give you something. So, um, Tomorrow, Winfrey, <laughs> the 53. That'll be my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. That would be awesome, by the way. That's, you know, that's getting hashtagged if he makes the roster. So, oh, yeah. Anyways, guys, we're going to get out of here. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us. Like I said, on the live stream and here tonight, too. It's always a blast. You guys make this show, man. Thanks for Mike and Jonathan guys in the comments. You guys are, are great. But uh, we will see you on Saturday and then back on Sunday for a Chalk Talk episode. Um, appreciate you guys coming and hanging out with us. As always, let's go out and be the change that we want to see in the world. And go Pack Go. Third down, to go. The Vader. 17 to 14.